You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 16, and we're going to be talking about the attributes of God, including His holiness, His imminence, and His immutability. But before we take a look at that scripture and that subject, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. First of all, as we do each week, we just want to invite you to visit our website, which is desirejesus.com. And on the website, you'll find our blog. We've been producing some pretty regular blog content. We also have our online Bible studies, our bookstore, devotional resources, links to both of our podcasts. So this podcast and also our Chapter a Day audio Bible podcast. And we have a link as well to sign up to be on our weekly newsletter. So again, stop by DesireJesus.com. We just made some updates to the website just the other day, and we've added some additional content that we hope you'll find useful. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 to 16, and we're also looking at some related scriptures as well. And we're talking about the fact that God is holy, God is imminent, and God is immutable. And I imagine that God's holiness is something that probably sounds more familiar than his imminence or his immutability. But we're going to be talking about each of these perfections or attributes of God today. And I want to start off by reading 1 Peter 1, starting with verse 13. And this is what it says. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to look at it together today, to read it, to think about it, to dwell on it, and by your grace to grow from it. And Lord, we pray that today as we look at the subjects of your holiness and your imminence and your immutability, that you would teach us what these concepts mean and also help us to understand how you use these attributes to bless our lives. So we thank you, Lord, for all of these things, and we pray that we would be open to the teaching of your word right now, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture teaches us that we have been created in the image of God. There are many ways in which we resemble him or reflect his attributes. And Scripture also encourages us to seek to be like him in how we see things, treat things, and value things. God is empowering us to navigate life like he wants us to. But we also need to acknowledge that while we're learning to be more like him, he is far above us and is the perfection of all the attributes we're seeking to emulate. And while some of his attributes can be incorporated into what we value and into what we do, other attributes can't even be replicated because they are unique to God alone. For example, God teaches us to be holy because he is holy, 
And we'll talk more about his holiness in just a moment. But that attribute is an attribute that he actively empowers us to model. In fact, he also tells us that through faith in Jesus Christ, we become holy in his sight. But Scripture also teaches us that God is imminent and immutable. Those attributes can be appreciated, but they cannot be copied. Now, we'll define what those terms mean momentarily, but God's imminence and God's immutability belong to him alone. We do not possess those attributes, nor can we expect to develop them as our faith matures. So as we continue our look at who God is and what he's like, let's examine his holiness, imminence, and immutability. First off, God is holy. Let me reread 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Holiness is a valuable concept to understand, but it's often misunderstood and sometimes maligned. Scripture tells us that God is holy. This means that he is set apart from his creation. In him there is no sin, nor is it possible for him to sin. And when the Lord judges sin, he isn't being hypocritical by doing so, because he is the perfection of holiness and the standard by which right and wrong are measured. God is praised throughout the scriptures for his holiness. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, it says this, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Isaiah 6, 3 says this, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Scripture also teaches us that God makes us holy when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. So as Jesus atoned for our sin when he died in our place on the cross, we are sanctified or made holy when we trust in him. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says it this way, And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. God has always called his children to live set apart. We are called to be obedient children who can now see things like he sees them. We've been empowered to no longer live in ignorance like we once did, but to conduct ourselves with a set-apart mindset and lifestyle that reflects the presence and heart of God within us. During the Old Covenant era, the Lord repeatedly encouraged the people of Israel to live distinct and set-apart from the beliefs and practices of the pagan nations that neighbored them. During the New Covenant era that we currently live in, the church is encouraged to be careful not to welcome the ungodly beliefs and ungodly practices of this fallen world into our lives. Now, in my own experiences, and through the experiences of others, I have often seen attempts to emulate the holiness of God criticized by those who felt a sense of conviction because of their unwillingness to live in holiness. 
So when I became a serious follower of Christ during my high school years in particular, I was regularly maligned by some people that I was close to. I also remember hearing about the criticism that two elderly sisters that I'm friends with, uh, that they received because of their desire to follow Christ and to live a set-apart life, particularly in their neighborhood. Uh, One of their neighbors in particular used to malign them for attending worship services and for offering rides to those who wanted to go with them. And he would disparagingly call them the church ladies, and he would criticize their faith, and he would make fun of them as if they were trying to be holier than others in a smug way or uh, an I'm-better-than-you kind of way, which was far from the truth. But he would malign them. He would insult them. He would criticize them. And really, all they were doing was trying to follow Christ. They were trying to walk in holiness and honor Christ with their lives. Our adversary, the devil, makes it his goal to tempt us to embrace worldliness and and not live a life that honors Christ or practices holiness or lives set apart from the sinful priorities of the era we live in. Satan seeks to damage and devour people, Christians included, and his goal for us is to minimize or to devalue God's holiness and to forget the fact that we are seen as holy in God's eyes so that ultimately living in holiness becomes a foreign concept to us. That's what Satan's trying to do in your life and my life and in the lives of so many people on this earth right now. But as we think about the holiness of God and what Scripture tells us about the fact that God is perfect in his holiness, have you ever praised God for his holiness? Or have you ever just thanked him for the holiness that he displays and shares with those who trust in him? And likewise, have you ever asked him for the grace to reflect his holiness in your life? God is the perfection of holiness, and he invites us to live a holy life because just as he is holy, he makes us holy through faith in his Son, Jesus Christ. As we continue speaking about the attributes or the perfections of God, Scripture teaches us that God is also imminent. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, let me start by reading a couple verses about that. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, we're told this, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 tells us this, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So the imminence of God is an attribute of God that we can and should appreciate, but we cannot copy. It's an attribute of God that belongs to God alone. And so when we're speaking of God's imminence, we're talking about the fact that God's sovereign control over his creation extends everywhere at once. He is distinct from his creation, yet he is present in his creation, upholding it by his powerful word. Both the Apostle Paul and the writer of Hebrews speak of this attribute, the imminence of God, and they make a point to express the fact that God the Son, Jesus Christ, displays this perfection of God by holding all things together and by upholding the universe by the word of his power. 
This, by the way, is an attribute of God that I don't typically hear as much about as I do his other attributes. But when I dwell on the practical implications of this perfection of God, my heart experiences a greater sense of peace and a greater sense of contentment. From the time I was young, I have often tried to juggle many tasks at once, and maybe some of you who are listening can identify with that struggle. Uh, Sometimes I just try and juggle way too many things at one time, and I must like doing it because it seems to be a repeated pattern in my life, but I readily accept multiple responsibilities, and I try to work hard to do the best job I can to fulfill them. But inevitably, I eventually come to a point when I realize that I've either taken on too much or I'm trying to sustain too many things. And in that moment, when those moments come, the healthiest thing I can do is remind myself of the truth of the gospel all over again. I don't have to sustain everything in my power. That's a task that only Christ can accomplish. He's the one who upholds the universe, and I can praise him for his ability to do so perfectly. He is imminent. He is everywhere at once upholding what he has created. I also think praising the Lord for his imminence can help remind us that We don't have to be everywhere at once, upholding and sustaining all things in our strength. We can step back, we can take a breath, and we can find rest in Christ who joyfully accomplishes this task for his glory and for our benefit. Something else Scripture teaches us about God is this. God is immutable. Think about that statement for a second, or that term. God is immutable. That's something the Word of God teaches us about God, and what that means is that God does not change. He is unchangeable because in all his ways, he is already perfect. There is nothing he needs to learn because he already knows all things. There is nothing about himself that needs to improve. He has been, he is, and he always will be the essence of absolute perfection. I like what it tells us in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. It says this, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. That's what God says of himself. That's what the Scripture reveals to us about the Lord. He does not change. Now, I imagine that in some ways the immutability of God takes us a little while to appreciate because it's completely different from what we're used to in regard to our own development. So biologically speaking, we spend our lives observing our bodies growing or changing. Uh, Basically, at each season of life, we typically possess characteristics that are commonly present for that season. We grow taller, we grow stronger, then we grow grayer, and we grow weaker. And if we're humble and if we're teachable, Our knowledge and our wisdom can grow all along the way while we're in that process of growth. But such is not the case with God. He has no need to change, nor could it be said that he was perfect if he still had room to grow in any area. The immutability of God can also seem like a foreign concept to us because of the relational changes we're used to experiencing among one another. Just consider how your relationships with others have changed during the course of your life. Who did you interact with on a daily basis when you were 10 years old? 
and how often do you see them now? Who did you once trust, but now you find it difficult to do so because they either abandoned you or they betrayed you? By the way, the Lord understands that. He was both abandoned and betrayed during the course of his earthly ministry. Or how about this? Who do you once spend time with, but now you find it difficult to be together because of geographical distances that have forced you to live further apart? And I bring those examples up because mankind changes. We change biologically, we change relationally, but God does not change. He has and always will be perfectly omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, eternal, good, gracious, holy, loving, and imminent. There will never be a day when God's perfect nature will mutate into something else. Even though all sorts of things are changing within us and around us, and even though our relationships with others may change, we can take great comfort in the constancy and the immutability of God. God never changes. Personally speaking, I have to say I'm also encouraged by the fact that this means that God's future plans will likewise never change. The ultimate outcome for what he has brought into existence will be perfectly fulfilled. Those who trust in him will live in his presence forever. Sin, grief, sorrow, and shame will all be eradicated. Hearts will never be broken again. Relationships will never again be severed. Loved ones will never again be missed. The unchanging joy of the Lord will forever prevail. God's future plans will never change, because they're governed by our God who doesn't change. I'm also encouraged by the fact that the love of God for his children never changes. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you have been adopted forever into the family of God. His love for you is a fatherly love that isn't conditional in nature. If you are part of his family, there will never be a day when he will regret welcoming you in or giving you his name. He will never regret that. Even if you go through a low stretch in your life or a difficult season due to a regretful choice that you've made, God's love for you will not change. He will not stop loving you on your worst day, nor is it possible for him to love you more on your best day. Scripture tells us that just as God the Father loves God the Son, so too does he love all who are in Christ by faith. I love what we're told in 2 Peter 1.17. It says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And John 17, verse 26, tells us this. Jesus said, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Because God is immutable or unchanging, his love for those he has made his children will not be altered, it won't be tarnished, and it won't be rescinded. This fact should bring great comfort to our hearts in the midst of this changing world because it contrasts with every other relationship we've ever experienced. 
God's perfect holiness, God's imminence, and God's immutability are fascinating to ponder. And I realize we've just looked at them for a brief moment together today, but they're important aspects of what God is like, and it's worth considering each and every one of them. What a privilege it is to reflect on who He is and how He chooses to transform us while also assuring us that He will never change. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to look at it together, and specifically for the privilege that it was today to be able to think for a few moments about your holiness and your imminence and your immutability. Lord, thank you for the love that you show us. Thank you for the grace that you've poured out on us. And thank you for the privilege that it is to walk with you daily as we receive the gift of forgiveness, as we receive the gift of eternal life through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. We're grateful for all of these blessings. We know we don't deserve them, but we're grateful that you have shared them with us. And we pray that the joy that you have fostered within us would be something that others experience as it is just flowing from our lives in every context that you place us in. We love you, Lord. We're grateful for all of these things, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we invite you to stop by our website, desirejesus.com. That website is becoming more and more stocked with all sorts of things that we think will help you grow in your walk with Christ. So we hope you take advantage of it. It's got just a ton of content in our blog. We also have resources in our bookstore, lots of things that we hope to get into your hands, and all sorts of things that we hope will truly encourage you in your walk with Christ, and I absolutely believe that it will. And while you're at our website, while you're at desirejesus.com, be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's typically sent out on Tuesdays, and we'd love to be able to pass that along to you as well. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.